The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome back inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. This is a podcast about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley, episode 20 of season 3. Happy to have you with us here. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Download us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Rate us and review us there. New episodes drop Wednesday every week. We'll recap last weekend and we'll look ahead to what comes next on this podcast. I will say this up front. This is the second to last episode of the season, or as I like to call it, the penultimate episode of the season. Penultimate's a word that means second to last, if you don't already know. One of my favorite words in the English language, by the way. So next week will be the season finale. We'll tell you later on what you can expect in that season finale, but there's a lot to recap from last week. Little did we know, but last week would be the last week of high school football in West Virginia. It's a season that really felt like we could have the rug pulled out from under us at any time, and we did with the release of the Saturday COVID map. The drama all started early Saturday when the Saturday 10 a.m. map showed Harrison County in the orange. And that is a status that really wasn't expected based on where the numbers were and where they would end up going. And it had a big impact on the ability to carry on with the Class AA and Class AAA semifinals. As it were, we were able to get one of the AA semifinals in. The AAA semifinals did not happen. We'll get to the other classes in just a few moments. But where it did not impact was Class A. Class A featured a semifinal between St. Mary's and Pendleton County, one of two games played in the Mountain State on Saturday, and the only semifinal we knew we were going to get in Class A. Ritchie County won their quarterfinal over Greenbrier West a week ago and then walked through their semifinal to a berth in the finals because of the double forfeit with Tulsa and East Hardy. So we were expecting to see Ritchie County against the winner of St. Mary's and Pendleton County. However, as the week went on last week, the numbers did not trend in the direction where Ritchie County needed them to trend trend. Things went from bad to worse really quickly. Early in the week last week they went from orange to red and Ritchie County stayed red much of the week and that included on the 10 a.m. map on Saturday. So we knew that with Ritchie in the red at 10 a.m. there would not be much of a chance for them to get back down from the red by 5 p.m. That would have required a miracle or a change in policy for Ritchie County to have been allowed to play in a state championship game. So by the time we kicked off the game between St. Mary's and Pendleton County we had a pretty good idea idea that that was going to be more than for just a berth in the state championship game. It might decide a state championship, and it did. St. Mary's wins the state championship. They're second in the last five years. They defeated Pendleton County 21-7. The game started with the Blue Devils and Wildcats trading drives early in the second quarter. Brennan Boron's pick six puts St. Mary's on the board after Pendleton County drove down the field and tied the game. St. Mary's got the lead and they kept the lead on a pass play from Boron to Logan Rice. It was 14-7 St. Mary's at the half. The Blue Devils, in a sequence early in the third quarter, took control of the game and took the lead for good. They made big plays on both sides of the ball in this win. As we said, Boron with a pick six early in the ball game. How about the sequence that Darian Borte put forth? A big stop on defense on fourth down as St. Mary's denied Pendleton County on what would have been the game-tying touchdown. Down 14-7, Pendleton County was driving, denied at the one-yard line, and the big tackle 
in the middle from Darian Borte. He slammed the door shut, and then on second down on the ensuing St. Mary's offensive drive, Borte took a carry, got through a hole on a run up the middle, had a massive hole in the second level, cut to the sidelines, and was gone. 90 eight yards for a touchdown for St. Mary's to give the Blue Devils a 21-7 lead halfway through the third quarter, and that's where the final score happened. So in a span of three plays, Darian Borte made two of the biggest plays of the game, and they were plays that essentially single-handedly created a 14-point swing with Pendleton County denied seven points, and then St. Mary's given seven points on the Borte touchdown run. But again, you had the Boron interception and his touchdown pass to Logan Rice. Borte's play on defense, followed by the touchdown run. St. Mary's defensive line lived in the Pendleton County backfield, and that's a defensive line that has a lot of sophomores and juniors that rotate in. And St. Mary's is going to lose a lot of players from this year's team looking at next year. They'll need some help at running back. They need a quarterback to step up in the offseason. But on defense, especially up front, St. Mary's figures to be strong next year because there are a lot of guys that are key contributors to that defensive line that put on quite the pass rush and made Pendleton County's quarterback Isaiah Gardner run for his life most most of the day, especially in the second half when St. Mary's was trying to defend a 14-point lead. So the cupboard's not bare at St. Mary's. A lot left. They'll need some help at the skill positions and some guys to step up the skill positions. But no reason to believe St. Mary's can't be good again next year. They were good enough this year. There are only three games on their schedule, as you could put it, that were not played. They did not get a 10th game. They played nine straight at the start of the year. They did not get a 10th game. They did not get an opening round playoff game. They played a quarterfinal, a semi, and then they did not get the championship game. So they win the state championship three games shy of what you would normally consider a regular year. The record 10-1 and for St. Mary's. When you normally see 14 games nowadays in a high school football season that runs all the way through to its completion like that. But St. Mary's wins the state championship by doing the things they were asked to do. They did not cause any cancellations. They did not cause any postponements. They showed up, played the opponents they were supposed to play or that they found at the last minute after other opponents dropped out. They were lucky that their numbers never went worse than gold in Pleasants County. They got a bit of luck in the opening round, dodging a first-round matchup with a 13 seed that's also a three-time defending state champion in Wheeling Central. You don't see that often. And winning the state championship without that final hurdle from a Ritchie County team that St. Mary's had defeated earlier in the year. That would have been a whale of a game. We were all denied an amazing contest. More on Ritchie County in a second. But St. Mary's emotions ran pretty high for the Blue Devils. That was never more present than with head coach Jody Moat, who after the game in a post-game interview with me that aired on Light Rock 93R shared some of the thoughts that were going through his mind in what was St. Mary's first state championship since the passing of longtime head coach and St. Mary's legend Bill Hanlon. All right, we're joined by head coach Jody Moe. Coach, that defense in the second half, what what caused this, this group to ratchet it up? Uh, you know, I, I, that was just a heck of a football game. Um, you know, offensively, you know, we were able to put points on the board last week and, and had trouble stopping them. And then this week, our defense stepped up, had two uh, fourth down conversions there, uh, stops down there on that uh, goal line, if I remember right. And uh, I thought that was obviously huge. And, uh, you know, had a big play there off of uh, the dive there with Darian, you know, for 99 yards or whatever it was. And then uh, had Boron, the big pick there, uh, you know, in the first first half and uh, and then uh, had the big touchdown with uh, Logan so um, just uh, couldn't be more proud of these young men and uh, um, I told these guys coach Bill Hanlon though that would be the uh, he, he would be very very proud of them for, you know, not being here last time he was with us. Uh, we were able to make it to the island 
and uh, it's the first time without it. <laughs> these guys <laughs> won at the Wayland Stadium, and that that uh, that meant so much to me. And then, and uh, I know for sure Dusty and, and Mike and Kathy, and uh, these guys are just inspired by Coach Hamlin. It's about to ask, does it mean any more the fact that if this is indeed for a state title that you win it here at the place that bears his name? Well, uh it's very special, very special just being here all this, but for Coach Bill Hamlin and, and not being able to to uh, be here, you know, and but being here through the spirit, it, it, it's big for these guys, these guys, I'm telling you now, and uh, fighting here for that for that playoff game last time ever these seniors would ever play here, you know, in the St. Mary Blue Devil uniform. And that in and of itself is special. And Mike and Kathy, Coach Hamlin's kids, um, and Coach Hamlin just means so much to us in Pleasant County. And these these guys in this county, you know, we haven't had any of the COVID situation. Um, you know, the first two games a year, we had to reschedule. The last two games a year, we had to reschedule. We got to play Frontier. We didn't get to play the last game of the year. And these guys, you know, are our 7,000, whatever residents we have. I mean, kudos to everybody because I believe, I believe God allowed us to play, you know, with, with, with all the stuff going on. And uh, and uh, thankfully, we were able to uh, able to pull it out in a very, very special very special. Of course, we know there's a lot of people from Pleasant County that are listening from near and far. Your message to those folks? Um, we're just we're just thankful to be a Blue Devil, and uh, uh, there's uh, there's just words doesn't describe the meaning that we that, that we have the the, the, uh, the, the the just you know we have our differences obviously small community but man when when something positive happens like this um and it's it's huge for our community and uh our seven thousand residents um you know that that one was special being Janelin's field, yeah, very special. Well, whatever this means, whether it's a birth to the finals, whether it's a state championship, congratulations. Thank you for your time today and all season. Again, as you said, great day to be a Blue Devil. Thank you for your coverage. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's St. Mary's head coach Jody Moat. That's my full post-game interview from Saturday with St. Mary's head coach Jody Moat. Lots of emotion bursting forth. You could tell the feelings are still strong that he feels for Bill Hanlon. A lot of people in St. Mary's, anybody who knows Bill Hanlon still misses Bill Hanlon. His presence very much felt by a Jody Moat and a lot of the players. He was very much with them on Saturday, according to head coach Jody Moat. We also talked after the game with Brennan Boron, the quarterback for St. Mary's, who engineered the successful season and the championship win. Big interception for you early on. How much did that get you in that game personally? Uh read that we were talking about it all week if I just dropped in to the flats there the slam's coming uh, on that wide slide and I did and then I scored here got our team up we got energy and that just kept us going throughout this game up at the half what was the locker room like uh, we just said we got to keep it keep going we got to keep moving ball we got to keep stopping on defense we can't let them score we got to come out and make this first drive the biggest drive of the game and that's what we, that's what we did what went through your mind watching Borte streak down the sideline uh, after I handed it to him I saw him bounce off a couple of defenders and that lane just opened up up and I just was screaming for joy and so much joy coming out of my mouth. I was like, he's going to score. And it, and it was, and he did there. And it was a big, big touchdown for us. Regardless of what the map reveals, you've won your final game at 
Bill Hanlon Stadium, but if this was first state championship, what's that mean to do it here? Uh, we've been working for this forever, since June, like this year, but a lot of us have been playing together since we were wee, wee little in second grade, and this is what we've wanted our whole life, and now we got it. Right and enjoy the moment. Celebrating as socially distant away as possible, right? Yeah, thank you. Did I hear Coach Powell say the party's at uh, Hermano's? Oh, yeah, for sure. On him. <laughs> On no, him. Of course. You, you heard it here first. Thanks, Brennan. Thank you. That's St. Mary's quarterback Brennan Boron. His big interception on defense keyed the Blue Devils early on, put them on the board, and then a nice touchdown play to give St. Mary's the lead for good. Later on, I also was able to interview both Riley Boley and Darian Borte. Had those guys back-to-back. Boley with a big game on the defensive line, getting into the backfield and putting pressure on Pendleton County quarterback Isaiah Gardner. And Borte with those big defensive plays, including that fourth down stop, and on the ensuing second down, the big touchdown run to seal the win for St. Mary's. Two of the game's biggest plays in a three-play span. Here's Riley Boley and Darian Borte. I'm standing by with Riley Boley uh, by request from our color analyst, John Mike Nichols, who wants you to know, wants to ask, what did you learn from Coach Nichols? He uh, he taught me how to block, like back in the little days, 7th and 8th grade. He taught me how to down block, chop block, taught me the whole ordeal, you know. Learned the basics from him. He was, he was a good coach. Hey, you had a good game in there chasing down Pendleton County's quarterback. It, was he as tough to chase down as you expected? Yeah, he, he was tough to chase down. He uh, he get he get away from you quick, and he uh, you got to wrap up, bring him down. You know the usual fundamentals of football. That's all you got to do. It worked. To win this game here, you know right now it's the final game you'll have on at Bill Hanlon Stadium. But for it to possibly be for a state championship, what's that mean? What's going through your mind? Um, I'm feeling great. My team played outstanding. As a like our defense tore it up, our offense did what we needed to do. Everything played out just like we needed to do. Again, to do this in a year like this where so much has not gone the way it's the way we'd like for it to go, does, does that make it a little sweeter? Yes, sir. It, uh, I mean, it could be better, but we're, we're working on it. It's nice. Well, we'll see what happens when the map comes out. Riley, nice game today. Thank you. Thank you. Darian Borte, what went through your mind when that hole popped open for you? And when coach called my number, all I could think was, don't give up a safety. My, my line opened up the hole. I bounced off a tackler, and then God took over the rest. Have you ever had a faster and or a slower six seconds in your life than when you ran on the sidelines? What was, what was time like? Did time slow down for you? It was it was a long run. I was I was thinking just keep them legs moving. I switched the ball in my hand. I saw a shadow. I thought he was going to catch me, and I just kept my legs moving, and I got in the end zone. For all we know, this could be for a state title. What's your what are you feeling right now? This is a state title. It's so sweet. It's great. I love it. But the only thing to make it even sweeter is go play Richie County next week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, would like to see this decided on the field, wouldn't we? I would love it. Love it. Love it. Darian, nice game today. Thank you. So again, that's head coach Jody Moat, quarterback linebacker Brennan Boron, plus lineman Riley Boley, and linebacker running back tight end receiver, whatever you want to make him, Darian Borte. Glad he's on your team. Darian Borte as St. Mary's wins their second state championship in the last five years with a 21-7 win over Pendleton County. That win put them into the championship game, but the 5 p.m. COVID map and the ensuing announcement from the SSAC made them champions. We signed off on our broadcast at 4.40 p.m. By the time we tore down and were leaving Bill Hanlon Stadium, the map had come out. Ritchie County was in the red. The team had already gathered at Los Hermanos and St. Mary's for a not-so-socially distant dinner. They were there to have dinner and, and to be together, and they found out together that the map 
was what it was, and we all knew by then that the SSAC would make a statement that evening. A little after 8.30, they made the statement after a quick meeting of their board of directors, an emergency meeting, and declared South Charleston the state champion in Class AAA, Fairmont Senior in Class AA, and St. Mary's in Class A. And while you might have been happy for St. Mary's if you were a sports fan in this area, and you definitely were if you were a Blue Devil fan, you had to think about the anguish that was going on just a handful of miles away in Ritchie County. The Rebels were denied the chance at a state title because of the COVID map and had them read a tough swing of emotions just one week after it looked like they were going to play for a state title. With their emotional come-from-behind win on the road against Greenbrier West, they take out the second seed of team in the tournament and then denied the chance to play for a state title. I texted briefly with Ritchie County head coach Rick Haunt Saturday night, and he expressed frustration about the situation, saying that he's the head coach of a track team that also was expecting to be good last spring, and they didn't get a season. I don't know there's frustration at Ritchie County because track and baseball were expecting to be good last year. Football was good this year. Volleyball, always a sport in Ritchie County where they expect big things, and big things usually happen for that team, but they've not had the luck with COVID that we've had in some other places, in Pleasance County in particular. So Hot expressing some frustration to me about losing that track season and then not having a chance to go for a state championship. I don't know as a coach what you say to young men or women in that situation. I don't know that you make that better. How do you make that better? That's a situation that doesn't come in any handbook. You don't expect to have to tell student athletes that you followed the rules, you did what you were asked to do, but through no fault of your own, you don't get the chance that you'd earned on the field to play for a state championship. There are no words for that. There's no salve for that wound. There's nothing that can be said to make that hurt less than it very likely hurt for Richie County. You know, hearts were broken. Broken, tears were shed because, again, a group of young men who had done everything they'd been asked to do, they'd distanced, they'd worn masks, they'd been out of school, they were even wiped out a couple games for contact tracing. They lost some players for a few games in the second half of the season because of contact tracing. They had no positive tests, no positive cases on their team. Still did not get a chance to play for a state championship because of the COVID map and the adherence to the COVID map. If you want to know why the SSAC felt the need to adhere to the COVID map, a thing they said in their statement very strongly. And I won't read you the statement. It's on their Facebook page. It's on their Twitter. But there was very much an idea that they had to stay within uniformity of what had been done in other sports. Championships have already been decided this fall in golf, cross country, volleyball, and boys and girls soccer. Soccer tournament had lawsuits around it. The volleyball tournament would have brought forth some lawsuits if the policies had been different in football. Because then you're looking at a Title IX issue, equality and fairness in a girls sport versus equality and fairness in a predominantly boys sport. So if you're looking at why things weren't changed for just football, that's a big reason. The SSAC strives for fairness, but they also try to conduct high school sports without having to fend off lawsuits. They don't win a lot of lawsuits. That's something that you might not know about the SSAC. They try to stay out of court as often as they can. One, for the fact that legal fees are expensive and they take away from their mission of trying to provide high school sports. But a lot of local courts are in jurisdictions where these judges are voted on by the people in their community, those judges are going to rule in favor of the schools and the teams in that community and the kids of that community. They're not going to rule for a body like the SSAC, a state body, and a body that most people don't understand to begin with. For every reason possible, the SSAC tries to stay out of court. That's most likely why the decision was made to declare champions in these three classes. Of course, the rest of the Super 6 called off as well, and we knew the scene in Class A it was only going to be one game this weekend. In AAA, the two games that were scheduled would have been played on Sunday. On the other semifinal in Class AA, Robert C. Bird and Oak Glen. That was a Sunday game as well. So the only 
out of the Saturday game was the Class AA semifinal between Fairmont Senior and Bluefield. So seeing the map come out and those participating in the Fairmont Senior Bluefield game knew that both Robert C. Bird and Oak Glen would not be able to play because of the map. They knew by halftime that more likely than not their semifinal was actually the Class AA final and on top of that it's the last high school sports we'll see in West Virginia until the end of January unless a policy changes. Fairmont Senior improves to 10-2 and with a 21-19 win over Bluefield. They got one more game in than St. Mary's was able to get in this season, but both St. Mary's and Fairmont Senior are 10-win teams. They claim that on their championship mantle. And Fairmont Senior had the idea of finality, the idea that we were going to see finality when they walked off the field with that 21-19 win. Of course, the announcement came from the SSAC after that game. About 8.30, the press release was drafted and sent out because we knew Robert Seabird Oak Glen, Musselman South Charleston, and Bridgeport Cabell Midland all would not happen without policy change. So South Charleston was declared the state champion by virtue of the fact they were the last team left standing as a result of the COVID protocols and as a result of the way the forfeits line up. Bridgeport, Cabell Midland, a double forfeit. Musselman, South Charleston, a forfeit because Musselman and Berkeley County. Berkeley County's in the red, so South Charleston ended up being declared the state champion at 6-0. Interesting there because of the fact that South Charleston was a team that was not able to participate early in the season because Kanawha County for a long time was in the red under the older metrics that we were using at the beginning of the season that also had Montegalia County red. It looked like the biggest counties in the state might not be able to play any games this season, but a very talented South Charleston team ends up playing and, and winning a lot of games in the so-called Kanawha County bubble. Teams that were playing other teams in Kanawha County because it was in the gold for a long time, and then getting into the playoffs as a number two seed with a 6-0 record and being declared the state champions. They knew they'd have a good team coming in, did not want to win a state championship this way. We'll get that in a second. Fairmont Senior, a great team, head coach Nick Bardick, building a perennial favorite there. And of course, we know a St. Mary's and head coach Jody Mote, second championship in five years. This would have been their fourth appearance in the championship in the last decade, the fourth appearance in the championship game. They have two losses on Wheeling Island in addition to the 2016 title. And then this year's berth would have put them there a fourth time or in the championship game a fourth time because it was moved to Charleston last week, but eventually not played. So the two games we saw Saturday ended up being the last two games of the West Virginia High School football season. St. Mary's, your champion in Class A, Fairmont Senior, champion of Class AA, and South Charleston, your champion in Class AAA. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Of course, the season is now over and the end result is one no one wanted. No one wanted to see the entire Super 6 wiped out by adherence to the COVID map. No one wanted to see state champions decided in any way but on the field. And no one wanted to see bitterness and rancor come out of the crowning of those teams that were declared champions this season. Sure, we knew going in that feelings were bound to be hurt this year, and it would be hard to keep things fair during an inherently unfair time as we deal with a virus that doesn't care about traditions or societal customs. Back in August, a lot of people probably thought we wouldn't make it this far with the season, but now that we're here, it seems a little more unsatisfying than even we were prepared to deal with back then. There are many places to direct your blame and your vitriol for why things are the way they are and why things had to be the way they had to be. And I won't tell you where to aim that, but as we close the show today, I want to tell you where not to aim that. 
Don't aim that negativity in the direction of the victorious teams and diminish their accomplishments, because while it might not have included as many on-field hurdles as in previous years, this year had plenty of obstacles standing between those teams and their championships. While the players and coaches that won state championships might not have been the winners we'd have crowned in a regular year, we'll never know if that's the case or not. And in a regular year, I mean, where most teams played 10 games and all playoff games were played, we still managed to get three worthy champions and three great teams. All three champions are teams that did what they were asked. They all showed up and played the opponents they were supposed to play. Sure, they got luckier with a map than teams in other places, but we're dealing with things that are out of the control of players and coaches alike, and they shouldn't be forced to deal with harassment over the legitimacy of their championships. To paraphrase South Charleston head coach Donnie Mays, after his players were bearing the brunt of some of the grief dished out over the way they won a championship, he said none of the players involved wanted to win a state championship in the way they did. That was beyond their control, and he's right. But it's a goal all three champions worked to achieve and were capable of achieving in a normal year. These were three good teams. These were no chumps. Not to say that others weren't good teams, but unfortunately, circumstances and rules that were laid out as far in advance as possible played too large of a role in determining a champion. Things that were out of control for all three victorious programs, three victorious programs that will wear their respective crowns with dignity and pride, nonetheless wound up handing those three programs the championships they received. Also, don't aim your negativity in the direction of the WVSSAC. I've certainly never been the first to defend the SSAC, but I will say this. They've done their best under impossible circumstances. A group that aims, as any sanctioning body does, to provide fairness for all can't be expected to provide a level playing field in a time that just doesn't allow for one. The decisions they've had to make are not enviable ones, and many decisions were made with the knowledge that the state has a governor who's shown zero hesitation towards stepping in and making policy that supersedes anything the SSAC could have put in place. In short, there are many decisions about extracurricular activities made by West Virginia Governor Jim Justice that were made without consulting the individuals responsible for delivering those activities safely and fairly to our young people. In short, the SSAC didn't have a seat at the table in a lot of critical decisions this year, and they've taken a lot of the bullets that probably ought to be aimed elsewhere. There are very valid reasons to be sad, angry, or upset at the way things went down this year, especially if you come from a fan base of a team that didn't get the chance to show what they could really do. Ritchie County clinched a spot in the state championship game only to see their ticket to the dance dissolve a week later because of a map. Williamstown, Parkersburg, and a handful of other schools in the state never got the chance to get a playoff run off the ground. All of those things are a real shame, but none of those things diminish what St. Mary's, Fairmont Senior, and South Charleston were able to accomplish. While it's inspiring and uplifting to see a group of people as happy as what I was able to see on Saturday covering the St. Mary's Pendleton County game, in the back of my mind, you knew just a few miles away, a stone's throw away, there were about to be a lot of other people that were heartbroken. And we followed that Ritchie County program on Light Rock 93R through the playoffs as well. Just the jubilation that they were able to exert in Greenbrier County just seven days before, and you knew that that was replaced by utter devastation at what was about to come down and what eventually came down from the SS. In short, it provided a veritable cornucopia of feelings. We live in a time where people like to argue. It used to be said baseball was America's national pastime, but now it seems like fighting with strangers on Facebook about things we may only marginally care about has taken its place atop the mantle. Among other things, we've lost the concept of mutual exclusivity for those that even had a sense of the concept at all. Just because one thing is true does not mean another thing can't also be true. The truthfulness of one item does not necessarily diminish the truthfulness of a second item. We forget that sometimes in arguments. It's so 
okay to be happy for St. Mary's or any of the other champions this season, but that doesn't take away from the schools that never had the chance to compete to their fullest. It's also okay to be absolutely shattered for the Ritchie Counties and the Williamstowns of the world that watch their state championship dreams diminish through no fault of their own. It doesn't make you any less a supporter of a school that did win a title. What it makes you is an empathetic human being. We saw that firsthand Saturday night in this area, a community in St. Mary's euphoric over winning another state football title, parading through town in the back of fire trucks. And while you watched that, Joy, you had to be thinking of the community just a handful of miles away in Ritchie County, where tears were almost certainly shed and hearts were breaking at the very same time. The end result of this season is one no one wishes to repeat. Let's hope for a future where our champions are decided on the field through the games we love to watch and talk about. But right now, a season has come to an end, and suddenly we find ourselves on the same team once again against the common enemy that we discussed in the very first episode of this season. COVID-19 has been a daily part of our lives for about nine months. Just this week was the one-year anniversary of the first recorded case in Wuhan, China. With vaccines on the horizon and more accurate testing on the way, there's real hope of a light at the end of the tunnel and an entry into a post-COVID world. That's a world where we're still going to be neighbors, and those water cooler debates will matter more than they seem to matter this year. Every time I went over to talk to head coach Rick Haught of the Ritchie County Rebels, we would spend 10 to 15 minutes at least talking about life, talking about the world, talking about the way things were, and then we'd make that pivot into talking about football and note the fact that it seemed an awkward pivot to make on and off the air this year. It seemed a hard pivot to make. This was not an easy season to cover because you know that something like high school football that is of utmost importance to a lot of people for a lot of reasons that we won't get into here, it took a back seat this year, rightfully so, to a pandemic that's gripping the world that we still don't have control of, that's killing people in our communities, in the country and worldwide. In the high school football community, we were a respite this year, but we were also very much aware that what we were doing took a back seat to other matters in this world. When we get into that post-COVID world, people won't forget how you treated them and how you carried yourself during the worst public health emergency of our lifetimes. Did you pick petty fights on Facebook about high school football? Did you turn your anger against the injustices that your kids were suffering into hurtful comments against young people from other places because they were enjoying the successes that you you had hoped your kids would enjoy. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. But those feelings have a place, and they're not to be directed at other people. But people won't forget how you made them feel, especially during a crisis. Let's be grateful for the high school football we got to enjoy, and hopeful for a time we can gather again in large crowds to support our favorite team. Let's also be mindful that we need to do our parts to support our friends and neighbors as we all strive toward the finish line against this deadly virus. Before we go, I'd like to set up next week's season finale we're going to have some top five lists, the top five storylines of this season. We'll also take a look at five players to watch in 2021 and five things to look for in 2021. I don't have a vote on All-State Awards. I don't endeavor to pick a player of the year. I don't see enough football for that. I see the football I see. I talk to the people I talk to about the football that is going on other places. I try to gather as much information as I have and share that with you. I don't endeavor to make player of the year MVP lists. Other people can do that. All state lists, all area lists, that's okay. Those are responsibilities for people that are able to see more football than I see. I just share with you what I see from my corner of the world. But again, top five storylines, five players to watch in 2021, because this area is chock full of 
good talent, top flight talent coming back next year for a number of schools, big schools and small schools alike. It should be an exciting 2021 for high school football in this area, and let's hope it comes with a lot more normalcy than what we saw in this year. And also share five things to look for in 2021. So stay with us next week. It's the season finale of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. If you haven't already liked us on Facebook, do it by liking us at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Download us every Wednesday. New episodes drop on SoundCloud and Apple Podcast. Rate us and review us there. Thank you for following this season. It's been a crazy season, a wild year, and champions have been crowned in all three classes in West Virginia. Ohio managed to make it through their season without any coronavirus issues. They're on to winter sports. A frustrating issue for many people in West Virginia because we wait for winter sports to continue and hope that they continue as they're scheduled to continue. Thank you for joining us once again. I'm Eric Little. Remember our season finale next week. We'll talk to you then and stay safe out there, everyone. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode and thanks for listening.